As your kids move out of your house, you end up with free rooms that you can use for all kinds of things. It's great. I've gone a little while before. So, <laughs> so we've got this room that I use as an office, and on the office door, there's a, there's a flip chart that I, I go ahead and plot out where sermons are going over the next four months. And so, you know, January and February are there, and I look at it today and realize, okay, we're not only at the end of February, but we're also halfway through halfway through the topics that we're looking at with our going deeper study. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited today. We're going to be looking at uh, the fact that we love God's world. It's going to be a great, a great one to break into. And boy, even just the idea of today, we had talking people when we talk the world, but what a beautiful day uh, to worship and celebrate God together. So a whole lot of stuff that came out this week on the, on the update. There, were, there, was a, there was a lot. Anything there you want to hit in particular to start? Well, yeah, I'm selfish. And so I want to uh, give you the reminder that you can get a discounted rate for Green Lake if you sign up by this Wednesday. So um, you can get $20 off for each kid through Tuesday. So Tuesday at midnight, those rates jump. So it's not that you can't sign up after that. It's just going to be more expensive. So why wait? Uh, we've got about 50 kids signed up right now. So I had a schedule from last year, really excited about it. So if you know that June 4th to 9th, you're going to be with us in Green Lake, get signed up right now. Get signed up literally today. If you need um, help with that, if you have questions about that, come and talk to me after the service. I'll be standing up here near the front of the stage. Um, or you can grab someone at the Info Hub. Um, the, the other thing about getting signed up early is it allows you to do a breakdown payment plan. So you don't, if you're sending three kids, we know that's tough. Um, so you, you don't have to pay all at once. But the later that you wait, the more that becomes required. So if you get started now, not only do you save money, but you can break it into, you can split it into um, some payments. And we, we just want to, to make sure that you know as well, payment should not be the reason that a kid's not going. Mm -hmm. We have some really, really incredibly generous people around our church. And mm -hmm. uh, so if, if you're holding back, if, if you're telling a kid, yeah, sorry, we can't go this year because... Uh, work's not working or you know, some, something's going on, please don't, don't let that be the reason. Come and talk to us, let us know, and we can, we can try and uh, figure out something to, to help you out. We had a serve, you're talking serve Green Lake, we have the serve that's tied to our Going Deeper uh, series that's going to be offered at the end of March where we're going to be serving our community, uh, helping to take care of some kids on a, on a parent night mm -hmm. out. And in order to do that, we're not going to have a Home Alone series. We, we actually want some people there to help. And so uh, this is the last week in order to get signed up for that. So we know exactly how many people we can invite and, and have part of that. And then we were actually going to be doing a, an outdoor experience this coming weekend. And I don't know, the day that we were looking at the update, we went... Wow, it's cold. Wow, it's nasty. Everybody has to sit out there for about four minutes and say, we don't like nature. <laughs> so, uh, so we're actually going to push that off a little bit until, until it gets a little bit warmer, a uh, chance to be able to be together. There were uh, so many things that we did this past week that were, that were fun in terms, of, in terms of technology, things you never see. So we're, we're always trying to work on better networks, for example, for our TVs, because we're using those for the kid programs. But one of the things that we were able to test out last week that was really exciting is a, an earpiece device where if you come uh, to our church and you do not speak American English, you can put in these devices and listen along and it literally has 70 different languages on it. So last week we had some folks listening in Spanish and they were able to hear the whole time. We've had some kids coming to
to uh, big kids that speak Russian, and so we're going to be able to, we actually have one for them where uh, the leader and the, and the kid can wear a device each and talk up and back and read and see, so uh, just amazing ways that we can, that we can reach out beyond ourselves and at the same time to people that are right in our lives and in our community. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really fun. Yeah, awesome stuff. So we also have the, uh, inter- uh, I almost called it international grandparenting, in- intentional grandparenting small group coming up. International uh, grandparenting would require the, the earpiece. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So intentional grandparenting, loving getting involved in this ministry. So there's the sign up for that. And then uh, Tuesday night, we had the chance to be a part of this. Yeah. That was, uh, talk a little bit about that time together. When you... <clears throat> I don't know if this has been your experience, but when I uh, go to look into a program or something that I've heard about, and I, you know, it sounds really cool, you hear a story, and you're like, man, that's, that sounds awesome. I don't want to say more often than that, but there are a lot of times where you're let down, because there's all this hype, there's all this excitement, and, and then you get to the program implementation, and you're like, eh, that, okay, it's nice, but it's not that great. I was blown away by how unbelievably rock solid LifeWise is in just the short time that they've been alive. They started, they founded in 2018, started getting their first school going in 2019, and here we are in February, whatever month it is, of 2023, and they are in in tons of schools in Ohio, and now they're starting to expand out, and we learned so much about what it's going to take for us to reach the kids of Shanahan, Um, and, you know, the, the implementation of what schools do we start at, thinking about things that we hadn't thought about, like transportation. You know, the, um, one of the things that they mentioned is transportation time is usually lost time. And they're like, why make it lost time? Teach kids on the bus while they're going to whatever location they're going to. So literally, I mean, the, the level of detail that they've gone to to figure out how to make this work to get Bible, uh, Bible character education to kids in the public school during the school day is phenomenal. And I'm, I'm really, really excited. We had, um, I don't know, about 40 people yeah. come in and hear about that on Tuesday. And I, I don't know that there was a, a person in the room that was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. No, we're all really, really excited, really fired up about it. So, um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're moving on with it. So some of the steps right now, we're in the middle of forming a, a steering committee that will be doing some of the initial setting out a plan, that, that will go to the school district. School district looks that over and gives their, not only their okay, but their suggestions, because clearly we didn't, don't just walk in and say, we want them this hour or this way or whatever. So you can start praying about, uh, not only for the steering committee as they're putting forth plans, but also <clears throat> as that starts to go a little bit more public, that God will just continue to open the doors and make the road clear before us, uh, so that hopefully this coming fall, we're able to get this going where kids can literally be released from school in order to come over and, and learn some about God. So what we will not be teaching those kids is heresy. <laughs> not at all. No, no. Heresy, bad. So uh, in, in our whole series, we've been looking at doctrinal truths. And because we're looking at theology and doctrinal truths, we thought it was also good to look at error. And a lot of the error that's existed in the Church of Jesus Christ goes all the way back to the very beginning. This one comes from 300-400 A.D. Uh, a guy named Pelagian had, had, a, had what he thought was a great idea, and he got so lucky that he got a heresy named after him. So Pelagianism is a basic belief that the sin of Adam 
did not pass on to other human beings. That when God creates a soul, when God creates a spirit in a person, there's no way that he would create that sinful. And so because it was not created sinful, that person starts out in a, in a place of sinless innocence. There is no sin passed on from Adam to parent to parent to parent to parent to child. <clears throat> You're going to say something. I can yeah, see a well, formation. My, yeah, my <clears throat> wheels are turning. And okay, if that was the case, then uh, the, the pain of childbirth and toiling with the ground and all that, that... I mean, it's, we're dealing with that, so is that not it's, well, And he doesn't really talk about the curse. He, he talks about, he just talks about the, the human the spirit. Nature. So this is from Got Questions. I like, go ahead and read that one. Adam sin did <clears> not <throat> affect future generations of humanity. According to Pelagianism, not plagiarism. Right. Adam's sin was solely his own, and Adam's descendants did not inherit a sinful nature passed down to them. God creates every human soul directly, and therefore every human soul starts out in innocence, free from sin. We are not basically bad, we are basically good. I mean, that, that is a common, that's a common heretical thought, mm -hmm. that everybody's basically good. And, and what the Bible teaches is the exact opposite. Everybody is not only tainted by sin, everybody is, you know, completely marred by sin. We, we believe, and this is part of our statement of faith, it says we are sinners by nature and by choice. By nature through Adam, by choice in that Every one of us comes to a place somewhere around two that we decide we don't want to do what mommy wants us to do. And, and, we, and we are officially earn our badge and become part of this nasty, uh, this nasty thing. Now, the thing that I find ironic about Pelagian's theory is that the Apostle Paul seems to be fairly clear about this. So just go ahead and read these verses from Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 <clears throat> solidly refutes the notion that Adamson had no effect on us. In verse 12, sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. Many died by the trespass of the one man. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. By the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. One trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people. And finally, through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. The thing that we have to understand, and we say this a lot, is that being sinful doesn't mean we're as bad as we could be. Every one of us could be a little worse than we are right now. But none of us, absolutely none of us, are as good as it's we could be. It's not a challenge. <laughs> right. It's not, no, don't try that out. Don't test this at home. But um, none of us are as good as we could be. None of us are sinless. There is that seed that's passed on from Adam, and the only way to, to take care of that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so Pelagian, Pelagius, uh, he, he ended up with a little problem. He ultimately is uh, Augustine, who is, who is one of the great theologians of the church, uh, came up against him at the Council of Carthage in 418 AD, and then the Council of Ephesus in 431 condemns it as well. But it just keeps spinning. It just keeps spinning that people have this belief about themselves. So I have a couple of books to recommend to you this week. These are not, these aren't deep theology books. These are more, they help us to think through as human beings where we are in our relationship with God. So <clears throat> this one is by Jamin Goggin and Kyle Strobel. Kyle Strobel is Lee Strobel's son, and it's called Beloved Dust. And the, 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 sub, the, the subtitle there is nice, Drawing Close to God by Discovering 
the truth about yourself. So they get into how we are. We're, we're, we're sinful by nature and by choice, and we have, have some work to do there. And then, um, and then this one, again, by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Few of you have been reading Knowledge of the Holy, and I mean, that is just like a, it's a dense, tough, thick piece of uh, theological beef jerky that you're chewing through. This, this, one is, this one is more devotional in nature and just talks about the connection we have with God and how that connection gets distorted uh, because of the sin we have inside. So, so both of those are, are really, really helpful. Well, I've got a brief interruption for you. And no, we're not starting the circus, but uh, it's going to look like it here for a second. And that's because while Adam's sin did create a, a sinful world for all of us, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not free from sin. So you often catch me off guard, and mm -hmm. you like to make me read things that have words that nobody knows how to pronounce. Uh, in fact, you've been super mean to Claudia when she's here using Greek words for the first time all year, and she's trying to figure out how in the world to make Greek letters. So It's funny because one of the guys she came with, afterward I walk over and he goes, you're really mean to her. <laughs> so I figured it's, it's time for a little payback in the way only a youth pastor can. Riley, would you please bring me my devices? Thank you very much. What I have here is something called box ballin. Box ballin, if you haven't seen it, is a headband that you put around your head. <laughs> it's got these nice okay. grips, so it's I not mean, going anywhere. I mean, that's bad enough, right? Yeah, we actually need to make sure that this is a... Yeah, there we go. I should, I should just make you preach like that. But instead, we're going to see who can, uh, who's got the better hand-eye coordination. What are we doing? <laughs> So as you can see, the box ball and hangs at this awkward level right at the belt, and your goal, your goal is to punch the box ball and out and see how long you can keep going. You know those, those paddle games that you had at Cracker Barrel? You are now the paddle. So let's see it. What do you got? Oh, brother. <laughs> you keep going. I'll keep going. Yeah, I'll keep going. Oh my, hold on, I, I'll, I'll master this in about four days. <laughs> there you go, all right, all right. The key is to keep your tongue, or your, keep your thumb tucked in. Keep your thumb tucked? Keep your thumb tucked in so it doesn't catch. Look at that. All right, all right, well. <laughs> That's fun. It is. You, it is. I mean, you are the master of fun. I'm telling you, you have the spiritual <laughs> gift of fun, and this qualifies once again, this can I go home and play? Oh, you can play it during second service, though. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> All want, right. The people want to hear a sermon. Oh, you're going to love this transition. <laughs> we are in the season of Lent. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> are you, are you, yeah, you don't have to come back. You can stay down there. <laughs> We're in the season of Lent. And uh, Lent, Lent's, a, I think, a beautiful season. I love, I love seasons, and here's why. I can't do anything with intensity for 365 days. It's not possible. I mean, it's just not the way we're wired as humans. But we can do something of intensity for a few days or a few weeks, uh, ramp up a little bit in an area, and, and, then, and then when that season comes to an end, we, we breathe and we celebrate 
and we go back to a, a time that's a little more ordinary, and then we ramp up once again. So Lent, uh, Advent is one of those seasons, four weeks of a little more intensity. And, and we come to Lent, and it's got that same feel. There are recommendations of, of what, what you do during Lent, engaging more in prayer. Uh, some people go about pushing something aside, some form of fasting, not, to, not as penance for your sin. You can't pay for your sin but as a way of uh, creating a more intense longing for God. Sometimes there's a little more focus on, on just generosity, caring about other people, doing other things for other people. Uh, but normally when I, when I approach this season, a, a lot for me comes down to something different that I want to take in mentally in order to understand something more about God. Maybe it's adding another Bible reading program or something along the way. And then making sure that I have more time to just pull aside and process and, and think through what's going on in that season. So I love this series of videos that was, that was put out by, by a production group. And they're only a minute long. But they provide us something of a, a prayer, a prayerful thought as we head into the particular week. So we head into this week, this first full week of Lent. And, um, and I think that they, they just, it captured me the first time I saw it. So I hope it'll do the same for you. And then when that's done, we're, we're going to go ahead and do communion up front today. So we'll walk to the tables at the front of the back, gluten-free on either side of the platform. And again, just take some time to maybe think about, God, what, in what way could I more deeply engage with you during this season from now through Easter? Let's watch together. Lord, I stand at the edge of the wilderness of temptation, congratulating myself for resisting that big sin, then cower in shame because I had a weak moment Peering through the darkness, I see you alone in a wilderness I can't even fathom. On your knees, praying to your father as the devil tempts you and tries to destroy you. With one crushing blow, you could end him. But you choose what the father has before you, to be human for our sakes. You choose to walk the dark wilderness for 40 days, all for our sakes. So we know that we can too, with your help. Help me see through the darkness, your light waiting for me. Amen. There is something about that number 40. God, something about that, that number that in the design of the human spirit, you know that 40 days is a, is a transformative season for a human. Sometimes it... As in the flood, it was a season of destruction. For your son, it was a season of uh, fasting and a season ultimately of, of intense temptation. But you'll often use that, that period of time to mold something new in us, to, to help us to confront areas that need change and then to, to move in a new direction. And I pray that that will be true of these 40 days for us, you know, that we would engage with you at a, at a, at a greater depth, at, at a, with a sense of more intensity, and in doing so, you would, you would reveal in us areas that need to be changed, even things that need to be destroyed, and that you would also show us the ways in which we can engage and grow closer to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to today, and, and our, our study is, we love God's world. 
And I'll admit to you that when we were looking for, uh, you know, a, a, a all-church study to do together, and we came across this particular one, when I saw this titled, I wondered, where are they going to take this? What's this about? Is this going to be a, you know, a chapter on climate change? Are we going to be uh, talking EVs and windmills? What, what's going to be going on in this particular chapter? And I was relieved in this sense that what it was talking about is the world that God talks about when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. When this chapter is talking world, it's talking human beings. It's talking uh, the theology of anthropology. What are people all about? And so today we're going to look at four words, just like we have other weeks, we're going to look at four words that help to describe a human being from the perspective of God Almighty. And that is that we are created, we're going to look at the composition of a human being, we're going to look at corruption, and finally we're going to look at our role as, a, as caretakers. So let's start with the fact that we are created. Genesis 1, first chapter of the Bible, you come to the last verse and it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So this is the very last statement of the chapter. It's the only day about which it says not just that God saw that it was good, but God saw that it was very good, a very good day. What happened on this very good day? Well, you go back to verse 24, and here's what you read. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. Why is this a very good day? Because this is the day God created Griffey. And I'm telling you what, my life would not be the same without my grand dog. I've not owned a dog all my life. And this dog, uh, this is one being in the universe that every time he sees me, he is thrilled. Every time he came to our house Friday night. And I love it because when he comes in our house, we have wood floors. And all you hear when the door opens is, the toenails are, they're whining up like, you know, like a cartoon character. And he comes around the corner and he looks at me like, you are the best human being I've ever seen in my life. It's so good to see you. Lick, 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 but all around, all over. And, and it takes a little while before the Prozac settles in and he just kind of mellows out again. And, and I have come to realize that while Griffey and I have a special relationship, our special relationship was formed and is reinforced by where I stand near the stove. And the fact that, uh, that I uh, give him things that he would not normally eat, and he enjoys me very much. Animals were produced on this particular day, day six. Both the animals that we enjoy as pets and the ones that we enjoy at a steakhouse. All of them were created on this particular day. And God said this was really, really good. Now, what's interesting is if you're looking at reading through the rhythm of the days of creation, you would expect him to say, and the evening and the morning was the sixth day. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Why? Because God's not done. God's not done. Then he says, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, these beings of the Trinity that we love so much, say, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness 
so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. It is on the sixth day that human beings appear on earth for the very first time. And then the chapter says, God saw all that he had made. He saw Griffey. He saw the cow. He saw all that he had made. He saw human beings, and he said, this is very good. Now, when we see this chapter of Genesis, and we see this creation of human beings in particular, two questions come up with us. And the first is the question, how? How did God create human beings? What's cool is, Chapter 1 gives us kind of an overview of creation, and chapter 2 goes into a little more detail. So, so we come to chapter 2, and, 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 and Moses gives us a little bit more understanding of what happened at creation, that God goes and forms a body out of dust and breathes into its nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And then later, he's trying to help Adam understand that he needs a companion, and so he starts naming all the animals, and none of them look like him, and he causes a sleep to come over him, and he surgically removes a spare rib, and he takes that out, and he makes a beautiful woman, and he says, here is your companion for life. Leave your father, mother, cleave, and the two of you will be one flesh. And we have in this chapter the creation of human beings. And I know some of you, you you'll hear that. You'll, you'll read that and you'll go, Dennis, you are, you're a nice guy. You just, you're not very sophisticated. You're not very scientific. You're not very intelligent. If you honestly believe God took mud, breathed into it, and a human appeared. God took a rib and made a, and made a woman out of it. How can you believe that? There's got to be a more scientific approach. Here's how I believe this. The God of the universe was there and I was not. The God of the universe said this is the way it happened. Some people will look at Genesis 1 and they'll try to contort and twist and do everything they can to say, is there a way to kind of cram evolution into chapter 1? Is there a way to, to make this work somehow with science as if the two are opposed and as you look at it, here's the, here's the struggle I have. When it says the evening and the morning was the first day, the evening and the morning was the second day, the evening and the morning was the third day, you get the pattern. When it says all this, and then people will tell me, well, you know, the day can really mean era. The day can really mean epoch. The day can really mean a season of time. Already from chapter one, I'm asking myself, so what does God really mean? And if I'm wondering about what God really means in chapter 1, why shouldn't I question the rest of the book? As a person of faith, I have to say, if God said, I made you out of mud, dude, that's how it happened. And if he says, I made you out of a rib, ma'am, that's how it happened, period. That's how it happened. Really, the greater question is not how, but why? Why in the world did God make us? Especially, I mean, right now, he's got to be in some serious head scratcher. Holy cow, look at what my kids are doing. They're nuts. They're crazy. To your rooms, let's go. Why did God do this? Why? Was he lonely? 
Do they just want to be amused? Hey, it'd be fun to have some little tinker toys to play with. Was it an experiment? Let's try this. Let's see how it works. Or maybe he just needed some labor. He needed, he needed some freebie work. Hey, I know I'll create humans. What was going on? Here's the sole reason God created us. Glory. He created us for his glory, and that's it. And you know, it's kind of a hard concept for me to get my arms around because if I do something for my glory, that's called pride and that's called sin. It's a problem when I, it's a problem when I go, look at me, look what I did. And somehow that's not what the glory of God looks like. But everything that God made and created ultimately points back to him all the time points back to the creator, to the ultimate one of the universe all the time. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purposes and his will, in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Your entire existence is about showing off God. Your entire existence is about pointing to God. He says it even so simply in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10. Whether you eat or drink, whatever, eat or drink are like the two most basic things every human does besides sleep. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, point to God. Glorify God in everything you're doing. Now, I love this from Wayne Grudem's book of Systematic Theology. He talks about this idea of the glory of God and what we might think in light of that. He says, the fact, this fact guarantees that our lives are significant. We're not Griffey. And we're not the steak on the plate. There's something unique and special about us. There's something that's going on with human beings that's different. This fact guarantees that our lives are significant. When we first realize that God did not create us and does not need us for anything, we could conclude that our lives have no importance at all. But Scripture tells us that we were created to glorify God, indicating that we are important to God himself. This is the final definition of genuine importance or significance to our lives. If we are truly important to God for all of eternity, then what greater measure of importance or significance could we want? You're wondering what you're worth? You're a glorifier of God. There is no better purpose for existence than this. So the Bible says we were created. Let's look at the composition of a human being. What goes into us? What does a human being look like? And I got to be honest, this one, we could, this, this could be three sermons. This could be a sermon series. We're going we're to look at one thing primarily. We're going to look at what we saw in Genesis chapter 1. It says, God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Again, just give you a simple definition of what it means to be created in the image of God. If we're, if we're thinking about it, we might naturally go to, we somehow look like God. We have a body like God, and yet God is a spirit, so they can't be that. What's going on here? A very simple definition. The fact that man is in the image of God means that man is like God and man represents God. It's that simple. Your dog is not like God. I know your dog is so intelligent you can't stand it. Your dog is not like God. Animals are not like God. We are like God and we represent God. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? 
There are five aspects of our character, of our composition, that reflect who God is. First of all, we are moral beings just like God. We have discernment to know right from wrong. Now, sometimes that gets seared and scarred, but there was a time in our lives that we knew it was wrong or that we knew it was right. We can eventually convince ourselves that what is not right is wrong and what's not wrong is right. We can, we can work on that. We can come to that place. But initially, we know what right and wrong is. And we have accountability for our actions. We will either pay for the things we've done, or, or we will be blessed for the things we've been done. And we have will. We have the ability to choose, the ability to decide what is right and what is wrong, and to pursue it. We're moral beings just like God. We're also, we're also spiritual beings just like God. We have that sense of personhood about us. We have this, this piece of us called a soul. The soul is the real you. If we could pull that out and show it off, here's you. This is who you really are, and you're housed right now in this body. But the real you, the soul, the personhood, that's just like God. And we are eternal. Now remember, God is infinite. No beginning, no end. But we will go on. We had a beginning, but we will go on forever. We, we are eternal beings. You're not eternal when you die. You're eternal right now. Your existence will not end. We have intellect. Yes, we have logic. I know you look around the world and say, no, we don't. Yes, we have logic. We do. We have creativity. We're able to create things. This is one area that we're not like animals. Now, hold on a second. You're going, wait a second. If you were to talk to uh, George Rossell, Dave Papish, uh, Kluzny's, and they raise bees, they have these hives. You look at what goes on in a hive, it's nuts. It's just crazy nuts. It's absolutely creative and beautiful. I mean, if you, want, if you want to be fascinated by the glory of God, take some time to study a beehive. But here's the thing. That's all that bees can create. Bee stuff. Ain't never seen a bee build a Sears Tower. When's the last time you saw a car built by bees? They have, they have creativity, but it's pretty limited. Here's the thing. Human beings have creativity all over the place. This past week, again, I was, I've been dealing with so much technology. I'm not kidding. Every time I, I start up a new iPad or hook into a network or whatever, I'm like, who had the brain to figure this out? You know, they move the buttons on the new iPad to the top. I'm, I'm like groping all over this thing. How do I turn the volume up? Oh, they've got it up here now. It's just, it's, the creativity of people is insane. That's a reflection of the ultimate creator. He's done some amazing things in this world. And we're a reflection of that. We also have awareness. We're aware of our past. We're aware of our future. You might every once in a while think, I wonder what happens after I die. Got news for you. Griffey doesn't sit there going, huh, I wonder what life's going to be like when, when Emmett's two. Is it going to be worse than now? I'm not getting paid attention to as much as I used to. Huh. He just goes, food, 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 food. That, that's, that's, that's that dog. That's his awareness. It's very immediate. It's not to the past. It's not to the future. We're able to do that just like God. We're relational beings. We live in harmony with other people. We can have community. All these things are part of the image of God in us. And, and then the final one says physical. And you're like, wait a second, God's a spirit. Totally agree. He does not have a body. But what does the Bible say? That God is able to see, that God is able to hear, that God is able to speak as represented by our physicality. 
All these are pieces of what it means to be created in the image of God. And then you look at that, you look at that beautiful mandate given to us, and what does it say? Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, bird of the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground. This is a reflection of God too. God the creator is also God the ruler. He is the supreme ruler over all things, and he's given us some little plots of earth, about, about, a quarter, about a quarter acre each, to say, you rule over that piece. You do with it what you will. There's your place. Rule over the earth. Subdue it. Fill it. That's our composition. Again, there are other parts I would love to talk about, soul and spirit this morning and everything else, but I don't have enough time. Let's move to corruption. Here's the sad thing. Every one of us has been corrupted by sin. Every one of us. I will admit some, some of us are nicer than others, but nobody's all that nice. Everyone's been corrupted by sin. Started back in Genesis chapter 2, this beautiful garden, this, this place of, of perfection for human beings. And God places us there and he says, eat away, have everything, except that tree over there. Ever said to your kid, don't touch that? Here are all your toys, but don't touch this toy. <laughs> what do they want? That toy, here we go. The Lord took the man, put him in Edom. You, go ahead, work this place, take care of this. I want you to note something here. Work didn't start with the fall. You did, work, God didn't say, because of your sin, you will work. He said, you will work because you're created in my image, and I work. What he also said at the fall is, now you'll have thorns, now you'll have thistles, now you'll have pain, now you'll hate Mondays. That's what's going to happen now. You're not going to like work as much as you would have if you'd avoided sin. But, but he says, this, this, is, this is a piece of what you're going to do in the garden. And then there's this verse, Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. It's a beautiful verse and it's a lot, about a lot more than not wearing clothes. Here you had two people who had nothing to hide from each other or God. Can you imagine living that way as a human being? Nothing to hide from each other or God. I know some of you would say glibly, well, I have nothing to hide. <laughs> oh, if we could play a video of your life. Because every one of us have a moment at least that we go, please, so embarrassing, so embarrassing. Nothing to hide. Completely laid bare. And then, of course, we come to chapter 3. The serpent comes did God really say? He starts to get us to question our own sanity. Did, did I hear that? Did I hear that right? Is that what he really said? Is that what's really going on? Did, did he really say that? And, and Eve gives her explanation. You will not die. Outright lies. He gets us to question the character of God, the goodness of God. If you do this, God knows you'll be just like him. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to be like him. All the, you're already like him. You're created in the image of God, and yet here's Satan saying he doesn't want you to be like him. And we know that at that point, she takes the fruit and eats it, shares it with her husband, and sin not only comes on them, but every person who comes after them Romans 5, 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all of us because every one of us have sinned. And what that does then is it impacts the image of God in us. The, here what's interesting, the fall, the fall distorts the image, but it's not lost. It's not as if we lost the image of God, it's just, it's just not what it was. It's messed up because of sin. Redemption, when we're saved, 
There's a progressive recovering of God's image. This is what sanctification is all about. So that the image is being restored to the point that at Christ's return, there is complete restoration of God's image. We are like Christ because we see him as he is. There will come a day that we will know what Eden felt like, and it will feel very good. It will feel very good. Let's look finally at our role as caretakers. So we've seen this verse now more than once. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves along the ground. As you do the study this week, you're going to see this referred to as the, the cultural mandate. I understood it, oh, my life is the creation mandate. Same thing, the cultural mandate or the creation mandate. So God creates human beings, and then he says, here's what I want you to understand about your role in my universe. And there are three parts to this. The first is a blessing. Don't miss the blessing. It starts by, this is a blessing from God. He is actually blessing us in the process of giving us this mandate. So there's the blessing, then there's a command. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He says, you have some procreating to do. You have some work to do. Bring children into the world. Fill the earth. Subdue it. And then he says, not only do I have a command for you, I have a commission. You're to rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. This was not just for Adam and Eve. This is for every human being. And for us as believers, this is part of the role God has for us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to fill the earth and subdue it. And he wants us to rule over the earth. If you want to understand more about this, uh, this particular article on the Gospel Coalition website was really helpful. If you want to take a screenshot, feel free. But it talks about the creation or the cultural mandate. And part of the reason I'm liking that word cultural mandate is because God intended us not to just influence creation, but to literally influence the climate, the culture of our world. He wanted us to influence all of the culture of our world. So let me just bring this part to a close with this. We struggle as believers in the times in which we live because the Bible gives us this mandate the Bible gave it to us from day one. But our world has kind of taken this mandate and they're morphing it into something new. You see, we're, we're, we're to provide for the world image-bearing care. But our world has gone to climate worship. Totally different deal. So when we talk about image-bearing care, it talks about ruling, it talks about subduing. But the things that are going on today in our world related to climate have more to do with people removing God from their life and still trying to find ways to worship. And we've got to be careful that we don't find ourselves in a place that we're worshiping our world instead of caring for our world. Now, I get it. let me just give you a little background on Dennis. Grew up in western New York, and we would go to Niagara Falls fairly often. It was 20 minutes away. So in that 20-minute drive, about 10 minutes up the road, we'd be going up the highway, and there was, this, there was this community. And at some point in my life, that community had a big fence put around it. And then before you know it, that community was completely torn down. And in that community, years prior, many of the chemical companies that are located in Niagara Falls took barrels of chemicals and buried them in the ground over there and buried a whole bunch of them. And they put a seal on it, and they said, never do anything over here. Our junk is there. 
And then real estate people came along and said, what a beautiful field. Let's put houses here. And they started plopping houses on that, on that particular area. And before you knew it, cracks were developing in basements and ooze was coming through the walls. And puddles were filled with ooze. And kids were being born with birth defects. And people had cancer and all kinds of problems. And before you know it, they came in and, and they, they went ahead and bought everybody's houses, ripped them down, capped it, and to this day, you cannot even go near it. Congratulations, Love Canal. I'm telling you, as a kid, I understand pollution. I don't like pollution, okay? The place that I used to mow the lawn along the Niagara River was really hilly. You'd go up and down. It was so cool. And now there are signs here saying, don't walk here. We buried our junk here. It's everywhere, and it's gross, when I was a kid, if I'd go to Niagara Falls, they have the three sister islands, three sisters islands. So here's the American Falls and the Bridal Falls and the Canadian Falls. And you go stand above that, above that Bridal Falls. You can just see down. It's so cool looking there. But as you do, you go over a bridge. And I go over that bridge and I look down and I say, oh, that's water, whatever. And I go do my thing. In 2004, I go back for my mom's 60th birthday. And, and, we, and we go on up there and, we, and, we, and I look over and I'm like, oh my word. I can see to the bottom. All my life, I could never see to the bottom of that water. When I was a kid, we'd fish in the Niagara River. We would not keep the fish. We were original catch and release. You know why? PCBs. We weren't going to eat that junk. As little kids, we knew that was full of garbage. Lake Erie was the most shallow lake, so everything settled in there just nice and came floating down to North Tanawanda where we all grew three heads. I get pollution. I get pollution. I want clean air. I want clean water. And there's a huge difference between wanting clean air and clean water and worshiping the earth. And we are involved right now in, in climate worship. Don't fall for it. Don't just become part of the cult. You know, I mean, if you want an electrical car, you go, you go nuts because it's fun and whatever. But this idea somehow that we can subvert Every possible disaster because, um, what, what's, the, what's, that, what's that wonderful term? The, the whole idea that, that we are going to end it all. We are going to end it all. We're not going to end it all. The Bible says God will end it all with a fervent heat. And even this is a delusion somehow that we can be God. We can't be God in that way. God will determine the course of history. This is, this is something that we as evangelicals need to get our hands around because too many evangelical churches are getting involved in climate worship instead of a legitimate image-bearing care. So challenge yourself along the way. Am I just going along with the world or am I accepting the original mandate God gave to human beings? The two are very different. We are caretakers, caretakers of all we've been given. You know what that means? We can raise a cow and we can eat steak. We can. Now, now we're afraid of cows because they're going to fart and we won't be able to live here anymore. We can care for the earth. We can. We can care for it. And yet not worship the earth. We've been created, the composition, corruption, caretaker. Let me bring you to this to the end. Great way to walk through the week. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and say, oh, what a good person. No, <laughs> that they may see your deeds and you can say, him, 
him, him, him, him. This, this is what we're all about. We're all about glorifying God. That's why he made us. That's why he keeps us here. And that's what we're going to do for all of eternity. We're going to glorify God. And so, Father God, I pray that as we walk through this week, we would examine where we are in all of these things. We would think through our composition. My goodness, I'm creating the image of God. What does that look like? What does that mean? That, that, we, would, that we would think through our, our corruption, our sinfulness, that we, would, that we would take time to just enjoy the fact that we were created and you wanted us just for your glory, and that we would reflect on our role as caretakers and not get caught up in, in climate worship, not worry about the existential threat because, God, we know everything's in your hands, but you call on us to take care of this place for the people that are coming after us. There are people coming after us, and we want to leave them something as good as we received or even better. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? We're going to worship God. Some of the things I got to play with this week, uh, not that ball thing, but... Um, you know, standing with somebody with an earpiece in one ear and them in another, and I'm speaking my language and they're speaking theirs and we're hearing each other. Sitting with a computer and taking a, a kid's program and putting it on a TV without any wires in between. When I came here in 1995, if you'd have told me we'd be doing that, I'd be like, you are out of your mind. You're, I didn't even own a phone then. I didn't have an email address. I didn't know what the interweb was, any of that stuff. In that short a time, look at this. Look at this. It's amazing. And every time, I think that area of life more than others, when I look at what people are able to create, things that I can't even begin to comprehend, I'm just, I'm utterly blown away, completely blown away. And, and it's a reflection of the nature and character of God. And what I love about this is God looks at these people who are so brilliant and complex and says, and that's about this much of what I know. That's about this much of what I know. He has so much more to continue to reveal to us. And I'm convinced that every time one of these inventions comes along, he, he goes, yep, that's me. That's me. All created for his glory. We get the chance to go glorify him today. So let's let that light shine. We'll see you later.